sputtering start to school and the latest from the state Senate. I'm Jarrett Murphy from CityLimits.org. And this is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. Jared, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. It's been a busy day, but I'm ready to do some yes. high quality radio with you. I hope you are too. Yes. Well, I'm, uh, I also have has, had a busy day. There are no, uh, no such thing as anything else. For parents and for students and for others who are aware, this has obviously been a very interesting September and the longest and weirdest first day of school ever. It began Monday with uh, some lower grade students starting to actually have in-person education. It's now rolling out on a staggered basis. It obviously has been full of starts and stops and confusion and controversy. And so to sort it out for us and tell us what happened and also more importantly, what's coming down the road, we'll be talking soon with Rima Amin of Chalkbeat New York on school reopening. What's, um, you know, what's top of mind for you as all this is unfolding? Obviously, the fact that New York City is offering any in-person school is actually something of, um, you know, something of a victory, something of a positive. Many school districts around the country are not doing that, especially the larger ones. And after New York City shut down in mid-March, it's been a long time coming for kids to get back in the classroom. But um, what's top of mind for you on that? Well, I think you've hit on it, actually. You know, obviously, there is the focus now on the confusion of these weeks, um, mixed messages, changes in approach, very frustrating for all parents, especially for parents who, you know, I have a fairly flexible schedule. My kids go to school fairly close to where we live. We have a lot of advantages that allow us to kind of absorb those hits. Um, others don't. And so I think this has been a really rocky period for them. I think the other question is implicit in what you just said, which is that it is a victory to have in-person school going on. It also is a huge experiment as to, you know, whether we can do that and keep virus rates low and prevent any kind of a sustained second wave from erupting in New York City, at least from erupting from the schools. Um, and so I think as, as crazy as this period has been, you know, we're kind of banking on, at least I am, the idea that, okay, once, once it's up and running, things will be, you know, proceeding at pace and eventually maybe we'll even have more than one or two days a week of school. Uh, but it depends on how this works, how the distancing and the precautions they're taking work, the idea of having fewer students in the school at one time or another. So I think one thing we'll want to talk to Rima about later is, you know, there's now and then there's what the outlook is for two, three, four, five, six months from now. And that's that's something I'm thinking about a lot. How about you? Well, I think, I mean, I think one of the things here, things are cases and schools need to be shut down for hopefully short periods of time, how everybody reacts to that, if there's going to be, you know, one or two schools that have issues, which 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 are being planned for. But, you know, one or two schools have have a few positive cases that come back. They shut down based on the protocols that are in place. But do we start to see, you know, people getting concerned, which, of course, would would not be out of bounds. Um, and then we see calls to shut the whole system down. You know, what what happens with some of that is what I'm anticipating, I'm kind of worried about. Um, but these are really hard decisions. And I also think that, you know, one of the most interesting things going on, which we'll talk to Rima Amin about of Chalkbeat in just a couple minutes, is that you have almost 50% of students signed up for all remote as of now. 
Uh, and that means they're not doing the blended learning where they're even in school one, two, three days a week at most. Um, and that's a fascinating experiment. And they're still figuring out exactly how all that's going to work and how kids who are doing the blended are going to get the remote learning the days they're not in school. So there's still a lot of things up in the air that I think are really tenuous at this point. And, and parents and students and teachers really need more consistency and clarity. And, you know, that's just been part of the tragedy here is how poorly the planning and implementation has gone. But now that the plane is in the air, so to speak, with some kids having returned, you know, hopefully they can continue to fly it and build it at the same time. And we're very pleased to be joined by Rima Amin, who is a reporter at Chalkbeat, where she covers New York City public schools. Welcome, Rima, to Max and Murphy. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. So well, you're, we're very pleased to have you. Um, so tell for those folks who uh, have lost the thread or who um, don't have kids in school or are are just uh, shying away from following the day to day headlines. Where are we now in the reopening of New York City schools? Who's who's connected and who is physically in school? I know it began Monday. Um, tell us about where we are in the process. Sure. Yeah, it is a lot. Um, so I wouldn't blame anyone for not knowing. So this week on Monday, um, school started for kids who are in 3K and pre-K and District 75 who are the city students with the most um, significant or complex disabilities. Those kids, not all of them went back to buildings, but their in-person schedules um, started on Monday. Um, so it seems, you know, that there was this sort of mix of joy, uh, you know, among teachers and kids and families who um, are finally back in school or are maybe seeing each other again after a long time. There was also some confusion. You know, the New York Times reported that um, originally everybody was supposed to start in-person schedules on Monday, um, but the mayor pushed that back with a second delay. So there were some families who showed up on Monday and it wasn't, it wasn't their day to go. Um, so there was some of that. And then there were, uh, there were some technical difficulties for, the families who started remote learning at home, which I should actually clarify, on Monday, everybody started some form of school, whether it was learning from home or going back to buildings, but it was the students that I just mentioned who um, were actually able to go back to buildings if their schedule allowed for it. Um, so it sounds like, you know, people are adjusting. There's definitely a lot of joy, it seems, among teachers and students um, for being back, but also a lot of um, anxiety and looking forward to how all of this is going to play out. And talk us through the rest of that process. So by what point will everyone grades pre-K through 12 be doing in-person school if, if they have signed up to do the hybrid program? When will it be final? When will the rollout be done? Sure. So at this point, um, September 29th, which is six days from now, is when kids in K through eight and K through five schools will be returning. And then October 1st is when middle and high schoolers will be returning. Um, so, you know, that was sort of done to, and I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit later, but that was done to essentially give the city more time to hire more staff for this, you know, mishmash of hybrid scheduling, um, which is a mix of in-person and, and at home. And then, um, for the students who are learning at home full time. So by October 1st, uh, for now, we should, everybody who wanted in-person schooling should be back. Talk about that hiring, because that I know is a huge part of why this delay occurred. What What is the hiring for and how is the city go about doing it? Yeah, absolutely. So um, 
the hiring, so, I mean, if we want to just backtrack a little bit here, when the city in the summer announced um, that it was going to be approaching a hybrid model, everyone sort of knew at that point that it is inherently complicated and it requires more teachers. So they're also practicing social distancing. So you have smaller classes than usual and you have classes of kids who are learning inside of the building, kids who um, are at home who will learn inside of the building another time of the week. And then you have kids who are learning full time at home for the foreseeable you know, future. So you have you need different staff to staff those classes. And so that meant from the get-go that there was going to be a need for more staff. And then later in the summer, the city and the teachers union devised a staffing plan and came to an agreement that would require three different teachers. So a teacher for the blended remote at home, um, teachers for the blended in person, and then teachers for the full remote schedule with the goal there being that teachers don't get stretched too thin. Again, at that time, everybody knew that this would require many more staffers and principals began raising flags saying, you know, we are aiming for a September 10th start date here, but we don't have enough staff. We don't, we need more time to plan. Um, And the mayor did delay at that time and delayed reopening to, um, you know, just this past week. Um, But it, it turns out that it still wasn't enough time. And so the mayor has said that they're in the middle of, um, hiring an additional 4,500 staffers, about 2,000 of those already exist in the education department. They may have a teaching license, but they're not in classrooms at the moment. And then um, they're scaling up to hire 2,500 more. The complicating factor here is, is that the principal's union believes that that's actually only enough teachers to get you through K through five schools, I believe. So Yesterday, the city teachers union president, uh, Michael Mulgrew, told the Daily News that actually the city's going to need between six to seven thousand more staffers on top of that to be able to staff middle and high school. Um, so I, I hope I haven't lost you yet here. No, I'm that's fine. To, I guess just you know, a couple of follow ups. Yeah. That one is just for yeah. folks who aren't familiar with the mechanics of it. Why is it necessary or why was it deemed necessary to have three different teachers? I mean, some would say perhaps even me, um, couldn't couldn't the teacher who is teaching to the classroom that's in front of her also be broadcasting to the kids who are learning at home, whether they are the kids who eventually will be sitting in those seats a couple of days later, or whether they're the students who decided to go online only? What's the, what's the rationale for having more than one teacher to do that? Yeah, it's a great question. So, so as I said before, you know, part of this was to not overload Scheduled. I mean, that's from the union's perspective, but the live streaming question is also a really important question that people have been asking. And it seems some of the concern at least has been that um, live streaming does require, you know, solid broadband and good internet um, connection. And there was concern that if you're trying to live stream from a classroom, that there's not just, there's just not going to be enough bandwidth in, you know, any given building to do that. Um, so I know that that is, that's one of those concerns. But I mean, to your point, there are schools that just have not been able to figure out how to um, solve this staffing crunch and how to properly staff all of these different models. So, they, you know, we reported on some schools that are actually going to have kids come in and do remote instruction from inside of the building, a model that the DOE itself has approved so far. So um, there are ways that I think schools are trying to get around this. 
So the 46% of, of students have signed up to do the remote only. Um, how does that fit in with the expectations the DOE have? Do you have a sense? That, was it expected that nearly half of students would be staying at home? Um, yeah, so I don't. if you remember earlier in the summer when the mayor began talking about the hybrid schedule, the, the DOE put out a survey to sort of ask families, how do you feel about what we're, we're thinking about doing um, for the fall? And the mayor kept touting this statistic saying that, oh, 75% of families want to be back in school. And so, um, first of all, that was a little bit flawed. That's not exactly what the survey asked. It, it asked families for their varying comfort levels, um, and 75% indicated some sort of comfort level of being back. And so that was sort of the expectation that the city publicly said uh, or publicly thought would happen. And so um, originally it was, I believe, close to that when um, the city first released the statistics about like, okay, here's who's choosing to opt um, for full remote. And since then, the numbers have actually grown um, and and it's nearing this 50-50 split of 50% of kids doing all remote and 50% um, doing blended. And I think that's probably for different reasons. They're probably not a lot of some families may not feel a lot of confidence in the city's plans because there's been, you know, repeated delays. There might be some families who just feel like maybe they have safety concerns or, or maybe they just feel like it's more feasible for them to be um, at home. You've done some reporting on the question of, obviously, f- for all students, whether they are online only or whether they're bouncing back and forth between in-person and, and some days at home, having that device is critical. And there are still kids that don't, right? Which seems crazy. How is that How's that possible? Yeah, um, great question. I had the same one. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so th- this seems to be the result of a few things. But um, back, if you remember, in the spring, the DOE actually, you know, took on this huge task of buying and redistributing these iPads that are that have essentially built-in internet. Like, it's kind of like your phone using LTE. And those were for kids who didn't have any internet access. And so they rolled out and sent out 320,000 of these devices um, over the spring and into the summer. But in the summer, the DOE announced that this responsibility for figuring out family requests and fulfilling device requests was actually going to be on principals now. And they they said that this was an ask of principals, but they also said that it would just be easier for them to do this um, in their buildings. And the cost also now falls on individual principal budgets. And what principals told me um, in the reporting of the story you mentioned was that they that this guidance was, I guess, buried in reams of other guidance that they get on a weekly basis through this digest. And many didn't realize that it was their responsibility to fulfill their requests until parents started calling them in August and saying, where's my device? I asked for it in July. Um, So now you have principals who are, you know, placing device requests. Some, you know, one principal said, like, I use Title I money, but that money doesn't get released until September 1st. So I, you know, placed that order in September and now we're waiting three weeks. But there's also um, there's also principals who are chasing down devices that they handed out from their own school stock in the spring. You know, I heard from a principal who said she had a student who moved to Michigan and um, she took her device with her. And so she called the student and said, hey, I need you to mail that back. And there just seems to be a lot of cases of that, a lot of replacing broken um, iPads and other devices. And 
lost devices. And then there, there are, sounds like some, um, there's a new enrollees, pre-K and K, kids who need a device um, who maybe didn't have one before. And then changing situations. You might have somebody who had really spotty internet in the spring and um, doesn't want to deal with that and requested a device. So um, it, it just seems to be a mishmash of issues that are sort of coming to a head now. And the result is that you have some kids who are using cell phones or borrowing from parents or siblings or sharing and um, uh, at some points may not be logging on during the week. Um, at what point in the school? So obviously we're, we're thinking about the, the school year beginning and, and hopefully things, you know, smoothing out a bit. Um, we don't know how long the current uh, setup will have to last. At what point in the year do we start getting into questions around like, uh, testing and 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 other like state tests and and high school placement tests and other things where you know doing it online is going to be very difficult uh ap tests when do we start getting into that territory i you know what i think we're there like i think in the summer um there were there were city council members there's educators who have been asking about this just about just take state tests for example those were canceled um last year and i think i think every state opted for waiving those but um, this year, the federal government has said, you know, we're not we're not doing that this year or has at least indicated as much. So I think people are saying, well, schools are still in this unknown territory. Are we really equipped to prepare for and administer state tests? But we honestly, we haven't heard much from the state education department on this um, about what's going to happen um, on that end. And. You know, high school state tests we know are a factor for admissions. Um, admissions is like another is another big open question this year that the DOE says it's still working on a plan um, on figuring out how admissions without state tests from last year are going to work. So these things I think are already on people's minds, and there's really no answer to yet as to how schools are supposed to handle that. Part of the deal that the mayor announced with the teachers union, this seems like a long time ago, but it was only a couple of weeks. The first time we delayed the reopening was around um, some testing of, of students and staff to try to control. Obviously, the whole reason we're talking about this is COVID-19. Um, what's the latest on that? Is that medical testing infrastructure like in place? Do people have confidence that that system is going to work? Um, so it is, it seems, you know, the, the, the city has a situation room where they, um, which I think people have probably heard about, where they're supposed to um, confirm positive cases, reports of positive cases, and then do contact tracing. And, and the whole point is for it to happen quickly. Um, so that that room is in place. And I think the mayor yesterday talked about how there's going to be random testing at schools. It sounds like they haven't figured out how this random testing will work. So, you know, who who's going to get randomly tested? How are they going to decide? But they did say yesterday that testing will be on site and that parents will be asked permission, um, but that it is going to be mandatory. So, so that'll certainly be interesting. On the confidence piece, I think if you just look back to um, earlier this month, buildings opened just for teachers and, um, you know, principals had been back for a while. But during that period, there were positive cases reported in buildings. And um, this was something that, you know, public health experts that people had already expected. So it wasn't surprising, but um, the city was not immediately transparent. There were a lot of concerns about, um, you know, is the city hiding information or what's going on? And there's rumors flying around. And um, I think 
you know, the city just wasn't quick about releasing that information. And I think that has sort of eaten away at some of the trust and confidence about how how quickly are we going to be able to respond to positive cases and to just sort of make the information public. So I think that's something that we'll really have to um, pay attention to and just see how the city responds once we start seeing um, more cases. So we only have a few minutes left, but I want to kind of ask you the big picture question, which is when you pull back, you know, obviously it has been a rough few weeks for the mayor and the chancellor in the system with, you know, a, a threats of a strike and a delay to school and parents being told on the eve of school that, you know, asynchronous uh, classes would not be synchronous sometimes. And then obviously the pattern we're in now. Um, do you think that confusion was was unavoidable? Do you think it was part of what COVID-19 means or or could it have been avoided? What do you think has driven the process and some of the problems that we have? Is it something on the mayor's end? Is it something in the way schools are structured? What what explains the kind of rough ride you've been having? Um, you know, I will say that it seems the, the mayor has been really, what's been clear is the mayor has been really intent on reopening buildings. And he said that it's because kids deserve to have some in-person instruction after such a wild, traumatic spring, right, especially in New York. Um, but it seems that that insistence m- may have gotten in the way of just addressing concerns that actually have been really clear from the start. You know, I mentioned that we knew about the hybrid schedule and that it's inherently complicated and it inherently calls for more teachers. Like that, that has been apparent for months and principals have been raising those concerns for months. And, um, you know, the union devised a staffing plan that, that deepens that need. And again, people knew that. So um, I think that it could maybe have been avoidable. You know, school leaders have told us maybe if they had just planned from the summer that we're going to not open until October and figure things out that way and phase in students, maybe that would have allowed people to plan. Um, but I think that there were a bunch of things here that were foreseen for a very long time that just weren't addressed until now. Um, and, and perhaps it was some wishful thinking of, well, you know, we'll come together, we'll figure this out in time. And at some point, um, the mayor has said it just became apparent that they're not going to be able to do that. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I think that I think a lot of this was pretty clear from the start. Well, it's a huge story and it's ongoing. Uh, Rima, I mean, from Chalkbeat, thank you so much for joining us and for all your reporting on it. I hope you'll uh, be back soon. Thank you both. Thanks so much. Take care.